Hello and welcome to Glitch Cube, we're a gaming podcast, and each week we take a deeper look into the art of video games. As always, I'm Christian. And I'm Chris. And hello and welcome back to Glitch Cube, <laughs> the gaming podcast. I was about to say a different show, but no. <laughs> but anyway, this week we are starting off a new little mini-series of ours, and we really enjoy doing these mini-series episodes, right? It allows us to dive deeper into topics that have so much more behind them. And today we are starting out our interpretation of the elements. Now, elements have been studied throughout time. They have inspired so many different things from folklore, stories, gods, deities, all of that. And they have even been the core inspiration for some video games as well. So, to kick this off, we are going to be starting out with water, the element of water, the essence of life, right? It's everything that's around us. It's what we need. But there are times in which water can be harmful, damning, or dangerous or scary even. And in these games that we are going to be discussing, we kind of see every single different aspect of how water can be viewed by people and how much inspiration we can pull by something seemingly simple as an element, just a base element, right? And water has given us some amazing titles out there. So why don't we just jump right into some of those titles? I think it's just a might as well, right? There's so many good games out there oh, yeah. that actually incorporate this into their into their titles. And maybe we start out with something a little bit more of the natural disaster side, right? When we think flood, when we think disasters, we think or when we think of water, I already said it. <laughs> when we think of water, we think of natural disasters, which leads naturally to floods, right? And floods have been a great way of telling a story. They not only show the devastation of the earth itself and what it can do, but it helps showing a changing of times, a changing of mindsets, cultures even, and just how we as a society would try and thrive and survive in this context, right? So maybe the first one we hop into is more of a simple style game, but it's Raft. Raft is a great survival exploration title that you it's that's basically it right you survive and thrive in the ocean and you build out your raft from underneath you the entire time you're battling the elements trying to collect food you have to process water you're just trying to explore the various islands that you come across to thrive in this new flooded society and what's really interesting about it and what i really appreciate from the game makers themselves is the fact that they are continuously adding to this game, right? Um, and when it first came out, there really wasn't a story attached to it, but they're slowly bringing it out. And as you go from island to island, you might start collecting little journal entries, scraps of newspapers, where it all speaks about the great flood that happened. And not just the flood, but how people have reacted to it as well, where people are looking for salvation. They're looking for a place to live again instead of just floating around on these makeshift rafts. So it's actually a really interesting concept for something that's so kind of cartoony and simple. They've done a very interesting idea with it, right? Yeah, I I actually enjoyed this game. Uh, I played through the story because, I mean, it's... It's not complete 
you know, they're, they're constant. Well, I don't want to say constantly, but they are updating it. You know, it's just slow, but for, I mean, it is early access. So I'm just going to put that out there first for anybody wondering. Um, I played through, according to Steam, I played through this like two years ago. Wow. It's been that long. Um, this game was, yeah, it's been early access for a while. Yeah. And I think because I, the reason I played it recently was because they had their big update which actually added a whole like underwater city biome like not biome but dome i guess you could say like yeah the second chapter that's what they called it came out in october of 2020 um and since then they've had some like innovation updates where renovation where There's new buildings to build on your raft. And the premise of the game is you start out on a little wooden square or a raft. And basically you collect driftwood and other little things floating in the ocean to kind of build up your raft. And, you know, throughout the adventure, you'll find a shark that'll try and break your raft until you reinforce it. Uh, You catch fish to eat because, I mean, we all need to eat. Uh, for water, you know, you got to like clean, cleanse the water. Like it's, it's pretty in depth, like most, like most survival games, you know, like you need to do your normal stuff to live. But the thing I like about this game is that it slowly pieces together, like kind of what happened when everything started mm-hmm. to flood. Now I didn't get super deep into the lore. Cause I mean, yeah, there's not much there, but it, it's also been a very long time. But I like what was there. And to me, I will say that this is a game that's a lot of fun with another person. By yourself, I mean, it could still be... If you really like survival games and you play by yourself, then you're going to like this game. Because, I mean, it. I think it's pretty high up there for other survival games. But as a co-op game, it's a lot of fun. Like, wow, we really enjoyed this game. I think we drop like 20 or so hours into this game or more and like discovering the new islands it's interesting with the updates like they're big there's a lot of stuff to do on them surprisingly like a lot of little hidden stuff to find and little story pieces and certain enemies like it's it's cool you know it's they add little like hidden elements that you wouldn't expect in that last area which I don't want to spoil from the second chapter, it's huge. And it really is interesting because it kind of gives you like an idea of what life was like before the flood. And I don't know, I'm really, I'm still interested to see like the next major update for this game. Cause I kind of want to jump back into it. And it's just at this point I've done everything in it, but mm-hmm. it, it's a cool idea. You know, like I, I never really thought about a game where you're, surviving on water like that yeah it reminds me a lot of like minecraft sky factory but yeah. in the ocean right like you start on a couple blocks and then you build your way out and then you eventually start to automate things you can get farms on your raft you can build up all kinds of stuff 
And it's it's actually really interesting the way that they've incorporated a lot of really cool designs. I love the design work behind like the mechanics themselves because it looks very kind of like steampunky piecemeal together. It just really adds to the overall vibe of like this is the, the cataclysmic event happened and now we're trying to thrive using the refuge or the scraps from what's left behind. Right. Mm-hmm. So it is a very clever way of handling this and and it does have a very approachable kind of like cutesy appearance to it right so it's not like it it is a very daunting idea but they did it in a very inviting light right mm-hmm. I think that's the best way to put it so it's, it's really cool it's a fun title for sure and i'm interested to see like some actual new chapters added or maybe a uh, full release eventually It'd be really cool to see where the story goes so for the next Flood game, and this one is a classic, right? It is Legend of Zelda Wind Waker. Oh boy, the amount of hours I put into Wind Waker when that game came out. Oh my gosh, I love this title so much. It's It, it was one of the first games that introduced me to the self-shading process as well. And I am in love with the way the game looks, feels all of that right and this the lore behind the game is actually really interesting so the reason why the world is completely for those of you who don't know what wind waker is there's been plenty of re-releases of it but maybe some audiences haven't you know actually played this title yet or only seen screenshots but you're you're sailing around hyrule right the whole world has been completely flooded and you have to stop ganon once again right but this time you're doing it in a great ocean basically um, but the reason why the world is flooded, it's actually called the Great Flood. And it is because it actually is associated with the same timeline of Ocarina of Time. So it follows the adult timeline itself, and which is actually really cool. And a lot of people think that the Zelda games aren't really connected, right? There's no like mm-hmm. direct sequels, but they are, <laughs> which is really interesting, especially whenever you start getting to the idea of you know, changes of time and all that interesting stuff there. But the world got actually got flooded because of Ganon's return. So eventually, after you beat Ganon in Ocarina of Time, the seals weaken on him once again, and he is released. And he said that he is going to wreak havoc on the world once again. So the people of Hyrule, because there's no hero of time when Ganon gets released, start praying to the three goddesses for help. And the goddesses eventually do answer the people's prayer by instructing them to flee to Hyrule's mountaintops in order to escape the coming flood and to prevent Ganon's wish of destruction of the land. So in order to stop Ganon's reign over the land, the three goddesses flooded the world itself to make it harder for Ganon to take control over everything. And then eventually our hero of time comes back and then we sail the this great sea to stop Ganon once again. And it's an epic title. It's just absolutely gorgeous. And it really did kind of change the way that we looked at Zelda games as far as like the artistic style. Where even in Breath of the Wild, we can still see some of those like visual cues, right? If you look at like the curly clouds, man, that was the big thing for wind waker like that's where this all kind of came from and now we're still seeing some repeating assets as far as like the imagery goes into the newer titles as well which is really cool i mean like i love those little details so 
yeah, this was a great title. I don't, yeah, I don't know about you, but I played the hell out of this. For me, it was really special. Uh, I think, I mean, I played obviously the Zelda's before this as well, but something about the sailing uh, was something that really got to me differently. And it's weird because when I first played the game, I was like, oh, I don't know if I like this. Like, I don't like that you can't swim, you know, like it's, it kind of scared me because I'm like, oh God, like you're, you're on a tiny ship, but, or boat. But something about the exploration made me so happy. And you have to think at a time this game came out, like it, it felt vast, Right. I mean, looking back now, you can be like, oh, the world's kind of empty aside from maybe like 15 islands that are all kind of tiny. But at the time it came out, I'm trying to think we had Grand Theft Auto in that time. Yeah. But for some reason, this felt more open world. Right. Yeah. It felt bigger. You know, even the idea that you couldn't see anything and that meant that anything could be on the horizon. Mm -hmm. Right. I don't know. Like it just really invoked a sense of exploration that I'd never got or I feel like I've gotten since. And there's not there weren't really any boat games back then either. Like, I think that was my first experience with like, oh, I'm commanding a boat like this. And I feel like I didn't have that same feeling of awe piloting a boat until uh assassin's creed black flag and i was like Mm. oh my god this is cool this feels just like wind waker like i'm commanding this ship and it's like crazy you know it was it was cool like i don't know wind waker to me just i remember how many people were mad about the cell shading like I would read all these game magazines and stuff and people would be like, oh, why did it go for this child look? Like everyone was thinking it was going to be like that E3 Zelda video where it's like kind of higher 3D quality version of the N64. And then instead we get cell shading. But the cell shading works for this kind of game. Well, And you it's know? timeless too. That that's the thing. I mean, if you look back and look at Twilight Princess, I mean, surprisingly, the way the graphics are in that game, it doesn't look that bad. Like, I mm-hmm. I always get surprised by that game because I'll see like footage of it and I feel like it's aged better than Skyward Sword, and that's weird to think. But for me, I don't know. Like, I feel like Wind Waker was the first Zelda game I actually went out of my way and tried to get everything. Like, I loved that game so much. Like, it was looking back, aside from maybe like Animal Crossing or uh, that other Zelda, the Master Quest uh, dual disc that I got, it was like my most played game on the GameCube. You know, like it. I spent a lot of time with it and I just loved everything about it. You know, like it was cool. Yeah. You know, it, it made me like water and games. Cause I'll be honest. I, I was like many people, I hated water levels and games and this <laughs> game kind of forced it on you where you had to like, well, you're not under it, but you're above it, which can be just as frightening. And it was cool. You know, for me, it would, it did what Zelda should have done with water. Instead of that stupid water temple that we got. Because <laughs> the most that hated was, level in Zelda. 
I feel like the most hated leveling games. Like to this day, it's like <laughs> it's so insanely difficult for no reason. It it's just I don't want to say I don't want to be like one of those people who say, "Oh, it's bad game design," you know, because so many people love throwing that term out there. But it's like <laughs> I wouldn't say it's bad game design. I think it's just that the whole game you have a certain speed and pace that you're able to go. And then mm-hmm. whenever you have to swim through water, every in every game you naturally go slower, right? Yeah. So with the world with the temples being as vast as they were and how much backtracking you had to do, it did make it harder to then backtrack or it felt longer than it probably should have. Could they've gotten rid of a couple rooms? Yeah, sure. But it still had that Zelda feel behind it, right? Like when you think of a temple back in the day, it was a massive endeavor that you had to go through. And mm-hmm. I do appreciate that they kept it at the scale they did. And you know what? Like, yes, sure, it's one of the more frustrating temples, but I actually really love the design of the water temple. I think it's pretty brilliant in its own right, but it is frustrating. I will give it that for sure. I like the boss in that temple a lot because it was interesting. But, and you know, looking back now, I think it's actually less frustrating than the stupid water dungeon in Majaro's Mask with the different currents that you have to, like, jump into at the right time. Otherwise, you get fucking sent back to the same spot you were just at. Yeah. You remember that? Yeah, that was pretty bad. Oh, uh, the, my God. But I mean, like, talking about water levels, I think nothing really beats, like, any water level in Mario or Donkey Kong. Like, those were frustratingly annoying for no reason. Like, your hitbox was different. Everything was just super slow. The, the, always annoying, right? And I, I find those way more frustrating than these temples because at least with the temples, you get to explore and have some fun with it, right? Like, you're solving puzzles. Those other water levels for, like, the Donkey Kong one specifically, like, that was just annoying because you had to learn a different type of moveset that you barely I ever used. I loved them. <laughs> <laughs> but I think I love them because the music. And the I mean, music that's David. That's true. That's another thing too with a lot of these games and water levels. Like, it's just it, the music's always good. You know, think about Mario sixty four. Water levels were ass, but the music was great. Same with Donkey Kong. Like, music yeah. is phenomenal, and still to this day, one of my favorite tracks in the game. And yeah, I mean, I most other games when it. It seems like when water is around or heavy, the music just changes to something more mellow and nice, which surprisingly, I really like that in games. So Mm -hmm. I've always, I found like I always related to the calm music that came with like a heavy water focused area. But, uh, oh man. Yeah. Donkey Kong, like, it was weird some of those stages because it's like the way he f- swims, like you don't really understand. Like the hitbox doesn't make any sense anymore. Yeah, and the Mario was kind of weird because it's like sometimes you would like press swim and you just go straight up in the air or straight up in the water, and other times it's like a little you can't tiny, really, like meep. yeah, yeah, you can't control it. God, that was the worst, you yeah. know. But very floaty, so. Um, what are your thoughts on, I wanted to touch on this cause it's not really, I guess it's like a water boss, but your favorite game, Shadow of the Colossus. What do you think of that water giant or Colossi? Man, I love everything about Shadow. So oh, God. 
I mean, I the water boss, yes, it is annoying, right? The or a couple of them. You have the bird one and the the snake, right? So there's the lightning mm. ser- serpent that swims through the ocean. That is very complicated. It it does get very hard, right? As far as in, and can be very frustrating because you have to either time the jump just right with the hawk. Or you have to, you know, watch the way that the creature is moving through the water and swimming through. But I, I don't know. I actually really enjoy those level or those aspects of the game still um, because I think Shadow did something amazing with the movement of the character. Everything felt like genuine. And even when you're in the water, you never or at least I never experienced that whole idea of like a complete change of game. Right. Mm-hmm. Whereas with like Donkey Kong and Mario, like we mentioned, like when you're swimming, you have a new mechanic and a new game in your hands. This is not the same game that you've been playing all this other time. Right. And it's only for a couple levels, at least with this, like you have a couple fights there. They're not too crazy. None of the battles are too long. And it I don't know, like you never at least in my opinion, you don't feel like it's a different style of game with the movement. So it didn't ever really frustrated me as that goes. But I don't know. What, what do you think about them? But I'm also just a big advocate for that game, too. So I don't know. They were aggravating, but they were they served a purpose. They were cool and different. You know, like, I think they did really well for what they were. Mm-hmm. I'll put it that way. I'll definitely say they weren't my favorite, but. I think they increased was, the scale of those beasts, too, of the Colossus. It like seems it, it, like it. It made it feel bigger. Right. Especially that like lightning serpent. Like that was a really epic like moment for that game. Right. Like you start seeing mm-hmm. it kind of like glowing in the distance and getting away from, you know, like it, of course, it does follow a very strict pattern that you can eventually learn and just kind of wait for it to come to you. But it was really cool to see it like moving through the water, in my opinion. Oh, yeah. I I mean, it was in- insane. Like I remember being scared bad like when i first saw it but i mean it's cool you know and i feel like to this day it's it's pretty hard to find underwater battles like i don't want to say be as interesting because i mean i feel like a lot of games shy away from underwater stuff just because they know a lot of people don't like it you know it's at least the swimming part of it right like they'll put things under the water for you to explore but Swimming, I mean, we got Subnautica. Mm-hmm. That's, That's something, you know. Like, I feel like when it comes to swimming, swim, ugh, can't say this right. Water exploration underwater. I mean, Subnautica, I think, does it really well. Um, I know there's Abzu out there for the people that don't want to be scared. <laughs> yeah, and I actually <laughs> highly recommend that game as it's very relaxing and. I think I heard it has a VR, and I feel like that'd be a very relaxing game. That'd be a um, very trippy experience. Yeah, it would. It it would be one of those kind of VR experiences where you want either like a fan on you or like an air conditioner in there, so it's kind of cool. Like you feel like you're in water. Oh, that'd oh, be cool. Like the like the forty thing. Your body in water. Yeah, that would be really interesting. That'd be cool. Yeah, but uh. Be in like one of those isolation chambers and oh, just God. float 
Yeah, that'd be so crazy. Do that in Subnautica, though, since there's VR in that. Like, that would be scary. Imagine that. Oof. Oh, God. I think I would freak out. I would have a panic attack. <laughs> <laughs> that would be too much. And, I mean, those games do water exploration amazingly. I haven't really played them a lot, and I and definitely regret that because I do want to check these titles out. But, like, the everything I've seen from them, the exploration through the water is great right it really immersive worlds and i think that's another great thing that especially abzu and subnautica bring to light is the fact that we can have such amazing looking worlds underwater right where it's because we don't know that like we know so little about our oceans or at least the deep ocean we're able to kind of infer and put in our own imaginations as designers to create elaborate, colorful, gorgeous environments to explore in and have amazing creatures to interact with as well that, you know, you can see the natural evolution of things and look how many different types of species are in the water, right, that you can then extrapolate from and take and move pieces around, you know, like, or... For instance, like look at how many different types of octopuses or, or octopi are out there, right? And then squids too, right? And then you even have something like the vampire squid that literally rolls up into a ball and has like spikes on the outside. Like you have some interesting, crazy beasts to pull inspiration from. So that's why I think like Abzu and Subnautica are, are pulling from such a like a wealth of inspiration to really grow their worlds and make them feel that much more immersive well it's also that we just don't know what's under the ocean half the time you know like it it really does feel like a different planet or different world Mm -hmm. and with subnautica since i played more of that it's interesting right like it a lot of people think it's just a survival game but underwater but the more the further you get in it i mean yeah it has survival elements but I think it's more of a horror game the further you get in it because, yeah, you're going deeper and deeper, but you get in situations where it's just, it's kind of scary. Like, especially if you're a person that has a fear of water or if you're playing with headphones, like, play this game with headphones on, especially if they're good headphones, because you're going to trip out because you'll hear sounds coming from behind you. Like, oh gosh, (laughs) it's, it's scary and like there's certain parts where you get so deep like you know there's an invisible big fish somewhere in the area because you can hear it and then as you swim further you can start seeing the outline you're like oh shit then you just start (laughs) swimming away but it's like these things are huge you know you're gonna die pretty quick but it's to me one of those games that has horror elements that do it really well it's it's more about the environment freaking you out rather than putting disturbing images in your face or throwing jump scares at you. Like hmm. being deep underwater by yourself is a frightening thought. Yeah, and you have no idea what's around you. And most of the things down there are bigger than you. <laughs> and in that game, you really only have a knife. You don't really have like a gun or anything. So it's like... You you just need to run away or swim away, you know? Yeah, I think Subnautica plays on our natural fear of the unknown in a very clever way. Because I, mm-hmm. I know, especially, like, if I'm in the ocean, like, I remember once I went swimming in Hawaii at night, 
and it's just pitch black in the ocean, right? And you can't see anything, nothing. So you have no idea what's there. And the whole time your stomach is kind of in knots and you just don't really know what's underneath you, right? And Subnautica does that great, like you mentioned, where you can kind of vaguely see something in the distance, don't know exactly what it is, come to find out it's some giant beast, right? That's going to gobble you up. So you got to swim away as fast as you can or fight for your life, right? And it's just, that's such a natural thing out there because you don't know. And I think that's such a clever aspect to draw on. And that makes horror games more fascinating is the ones who focus on the natural fears that we have, right? Yeah. Like, you know, there's the great ones out there that have like the very disturbing images and they're very interesting to look at. It's like, oh, like what a weird mind this designer had to come up with these creatures that are terrifying to haunt our dreams. But when you start playing on natural fears that, everyone has like the idea of the unknown and that's just so clever in such an interesting way and when it's done right oh boy does it get you and i feel like from what i've seen and what i've kind of checked out from these games like subnautica really does that it gives you that that desire to explore but to always be looking over your shoulder at the same time so it's very clever yeah it it's cool. Like I wish more games did that where your environment was more of the scary thing. You know, I mean, we'll get into this more when we talk about like the land and stuff, but the forest I think does it really well on land, you know, it's not as perfect as Subnautica in my opinion, but it, it, it comes with the same kind of fear, but a horror game that does take place underwater just in a facility is Soma. Mm-hmm. And that game is also pretty damn good. Mm-hmm. As so it's bad. all loud machines and darkness and you see windows that lead out and you just see dark water. And it's just... Oof. The game actually is kind of scary. I remember playing it for one of our older episodes and I felt like I didn't really get much to talk about back then even though we did talk a lot about it but the game's good and if you guys want to get scared and be trapped underwater in a different way i highly recommend that game yeah i i'm afraid to play this game (laughs) (laughs) yeah i don't really do you want to give them kind of a rundown of what the story is about because i don't know much about it i feel like i would kind of ruin it if i told the story of it but what Mm. i'll say is just you're trapped in a facility and you start finding out reasons why you're down there and reasons what happened to the facility. And that's when you're like, Oh shit. And that's all I'll say. Cause I say <laughs> anymore and it'll probably, I don't say spoil, but it will kind of ruin some of the thoughts you'll get. Mm-hmm. And for me, like, that's actually something that made me enjoy the game was like finding all, like, I'm a person that sometimes I don't care about finding things out on my own. I'll, I'll read something if I can just get through something faster. But this game, I was like, you know what? Fuck it. I'm just gonna explore on my own. And it's good. Like, in that sense, you know, like, I, I do like their other game observer a little bit more. Mm-hmm. just because of the idea behind that one. But I do feel like Soma is a little more frightening in the sense that it's 
you know, underwater. Right, right. Well, uh, maybe to take it back to a classic, because I think it might be a good idea to bring up a game that did underwater very early on, and <laughs> it was actually pretty entertaining, kind of silly, actually, um, would be Echo the Dolphin <laughs> on oh, Sega. yeah. Remember that good old classic? So this is a, you literally play as just a dolphin. That, that, that's the game. And you just run around eating fish, collecting stuff, you know. And it's it's actually really cool. The mechanics behind it were interesting. You had a really quick dash. Of course, you had music the echo. Music was dope, too. Music was fantastic. You have your echo location you can use. You have to avoid obstacles like spikes and, you know, kind of your classic 2D tropes. But, yeah, it was this is a very fun game and really cool to kind of just explore and just see where it goes. And yeah. And you end up going to like some very interesting environments actually, where you're like going through an underwater library and like seeing like, you know, temples and stuff. It's, it's very interesting. I don't know. Like there's a lot more to echo than originally meets this, the eye or the surface level of it. Right. Where, in the later levels, you're even fighting or like you're in a machine and you're like in the deep, deep ocean fighting these weird alien looking creatures like and like the Vortex Queen, which is basically like a xenomorph. Like it's it gets weird. <laughs> it's really, really weird eventually. But <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a it's a pretty cool little title and it does underwater pretty well. Actually, the movement's really, really like clever you can move in all directions despite it being 2d you know but it's yeah, it's pretty cool definitely recommend. yo i didn't know there was an echo game on the playstation 2 oh really what and it's 3d oh uh, no <laughs> this is wild i mean it looks so basic but it's like i don't know this is kind of cool looking <sighs> I, I don't know out. how I didn't know this existed, but um, so funny. I remember uh, Echo being interesting back in the day because I was like, hmm, I already don't like underwater levels because of, you know, like you were saying, Mario and Donkey Kong. So I never really jumped into Echo until way later mm -hmm. uh, when I was more of like a teenager or adult. I was like, I'll, I'll see what this is because everyone always talks about it. And it's cool. You know, yeah. you're a dolphin. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. It It's a dolphin, then it gets really weird. And if you really want to check this game out and beat it, you know, it, it only takes like an hour to beat the game, actually. It's pretty short. But yeah, it's, it's definitely, it gets really weird without telling you anything about the story itself. <laughs> because it turns out there's actually a weird story behind it where you're kind of like, it's, you're saving the world as a dolphin by fighting this weird underwater beast and saving Hell the other yeah. dolphins. It's super trippy. Like, yeah, very strange. But maybe we can discuss some games that use water more than inhabit water, right? And there's a lot of games that use water in very interesting ways. Um, and one of the ones that I, I know I really like this game, and I know a lot of people don't like this one, but... Uh, Super Mario Sunshine was it used water in a very interesting way, right? Instead of your classic, you know, run and jump, now you have a big water cannon on your back. Of course, you're using it to clean, which is 
okay, I guess, for most of the time. But being able to use water as like a jetpack or to get certain items, it just was a clever way uh, on how to use this element, right? Instead of it being... Because, of course, the water levels in Mario, I feel like we've talked about it enough, and we don't like them. <laughs> but incorporating water into the mechanics is an interesting touch and a cool little way of doing it. Mario Sunshine was one of the few Mario games I never played. Oh, I own it. But I, I remember seeing pictures of it in a magazine back in the day. Cause I'm like, I was saying earlier, like GameCube was my shit. Mm -hmm. And I remember seeing images of Mario Sunshine. I'm like, Oh my God, it looks so cool. It's so bright and looks so much better than Mario 64. Mm -hmm. And for some reason I just never picked it up. I don't know why. I remember people like loving that. Well, I remember a lot of people loving it, but a lot of people hating some of the other mechanics of it. And Money was tight back then for me during that era, so it it makes sense why I didn't pick it up. But I own it on the Switch now, and I'm thinking maybe I should give it a try. I don't it's know. Fun. Like I feel like a lot of people say like they really enjoyed going back to, and other people said that like it is one of the weaker Mario games. But I don't know. I, I still want to try it out you know i mean it's it, mario's mario you're not gonna get like a epic thing uh maybe you can i guess with like would Odyssey, you play but would you play that over galaxy or would you play galaxy first because i haven't played that either that's a tough one because Galaxy's great it looks cool galaxy was really cool because of the 3d mechanic that was really interesting but mm. i I think I would probably do Sunshine just for the enjoyable experience. And you, your main villain is, you know, Bowser Jr. It's really cool. Like you mm. got the graffiti aspect behind everything. You ha it's it's an interesting title. I think it's worth it. To be honest. Huh. Okay, yeah, check that out. Yeah, it's a good one. It's good. Another one that I, I really enjoyed the way that water was actually used in the game itself was um, Badenworth. Bad North is a really cool game and it's a really mm. simple game, but, and it's, it's kind of, I don't know, it's kind of tough to really call it like a water game, I guess, but you are on an island or like you're traveling from island to island. It's more like a roguelike kind of thing, right? Where you set your paths and stuff like that. Oh. And on each island, you get invaded by rival Vikings, right? And they're coming in by sea. And you have to guard your island and you have a certain amount of troops that you can move around and they auto attack, right? But you place your people and you can move them around mid-battle as well. But it was a really cool and very aesthetically pleasing game. Um, it, I fucking love just, the graphics. It's, wow. it's gorgeous the way that it looks. It's just one of those fun ones where it's using water more as like an unknown element, right? Like you just don't know what's coming for you. And you don't know what angle they're going to be coming at, right? So it mm -hmm. it does make water warfare a little bit more interesting, especially if you're not in the water yourself, right? You're defending against someone from the water. They can come at all angles. So you have to strategize accordingly in order to make sure that you move on to the next stage. And it's never too crazy hard, but it's, a, it's definitely a cool little title to check out. I always... I've seen that font before and I've seen that title. I don't know why I didn't 
picture it to be an island game like that. Like that's kind of cool. Yeah. I I like games that have that certain style to it. And I'm gonna have to check that out. Yeah, it's it's a really cool I like one. Tactic games. And I think it's on the phone too. So and it works great on the phone. It's like a perfect little iPhone take where you go kind of game. Mm-hmm. So it's it is really interesting. And I feel like I would be uh I don't know. Like it's just the art style is great. I mean it's super interesting, very different. Um it you can tell it's like indie style, right? The the character models are very simplistic, but the character portraits are very gorgeous looking. Like I, I love that style of art. It's very it's hard to explain the style itself. So you kinda have to check it out and see see it for yourself, right? Yeah, you have to like look at it. Yeah. Very interesting. It's it's that isometric view in the actual game. But then the portraits are very, I don't know, it's its really cool. A lot of hand-drawn stuff mixed with isometric. Very indie, right? So def- oh, yeah. definitely a cool game to check out. Um, and, <laughs> you know, one of the last games that I, I personally wanted to bring up was one that I feel like we would probably get yelled at if we didn't bring up, especially with a water episode. Um, and that's Sea of Thieves. <laughs> like, oh, it's a very yeah. obvious title uh, when it comes to water. But, I mean, if you don't know what Sea of Thieves are, it's Pirates of the Caribbean. I mean, they even have a Jack Sparrow in it now, where there's a whole mm-hmm. quest where you have to save him. You know, it's 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 that. You're a pirate. You get to sail the seven seas. You get to pillage. You get to fight everything. You get to create your pirate ship and deck out your pirate and customize it and all your equipment. It's just, it's a cool game. And the fact that it's... Uh, you know, like an online or it's a multiplayer game that you can sail next to somebody who's playing and, you know, attack them if you want, which they probably will attack you because games, right? <laughs> it's, I don't really foresee anybody just sailing next to somebody for too long that they don't know without shooting a couple cannonballs. But it's a very, it's a very fun, silly kind of game. It, it's very interesting. I always enjoyed watching people play that game. I feel like I would be too boring if I tried to play that game, but like watching like like different people do dumb crap in it, I'm like, okay, this actually looks kind of fun. It it, it definitely looks like one of those games that is you need friends to play with you. Like yeah. playing on your own, there's actually a lot of things to do on the boat itself. So playing on your own mm-hmm. is kind of annoying, you know, like hoisting the sail, steering the boat, you know, raising too, the anchor, yeah. repairing everything. Cause you actually have to like go under the hole and repair the ship. So playing by yourself is probably not recommended for this title, but it's, I mean, the water physics are cool. The lore behind it with like Davy Jones and like the crazy storms, you have the Kraken. I think you even have the Megalodon now at this point in the game. Mm, Like there's some really cool stuff and it's just every bit of like water lore that you can think of like this game incorporates, which is really, really cool. So if you ever want to be a pirate sailing the seven seas, then this is definitely a title to pick up. And talking about water, I mean, it's it seems like an obvious fix for it. Yeah, I think so. Speaking of games where you command the vessel, um, and I won't talk more about Assassin's Creed Black Flag, even though that was one of my favorites. <laughs> um, some two, two that I'm going to bring up, and I think this will basically be it. But this one I found really interesting. Uh, it's called Borrow Trauma. And I don't know that one. 
if you've ever played FTL or Faster Than Light, where you build your spaceship, you know, kind of like real-time strategy, but building your ship in space in the middle of like dogfights and stuff like that, right? Mm-hmm. But this is in the submarine. Oh. And you have a crew that needs to handle different rooms of the submarine dealing, you know, underwater, you get attacks from monsters along the way as you explore caverns. Like it's, it's a very interesting game. And I feel like if anyone out there enjoyed FTL, but wants something a little more challenging and underwater, mm-hmm. I think this game is definitely it. Cause it's definitely harder uh, from the little bit I've played, but I, I do like it. I think that, you know, yes, it is really access, but there's quite a bit in it, surprisingly, or at least enough for me to enjoy it. It sometimes gets a little too busy for me. Um, As someone who truly loved FTL for a very long time, it just started getting to the point where I was like, I don't really feel like getting stressed out in the game right now, you know? And it, and ended up being where I always felt like that. So playing a game like this, I was like, oh God, like my stress is going up. Like it's it's a cool game if you love managing a bunch of stuff. Mm. Uh, but it's cool. And the other one I'm going to talk about, which surprisingly was the game that kind of inspired this episode for me to talk about it. And yet I never got a chance to play it because, you know, Elden Ring came out, Horizon came out, Tunic came out. Like it's, it's been a very busy week, mm-hmm. and now I'm jumping into Bloodborne. So now I'm going back in time. But <laughs> it's uh, the game I'm talking about is called Far Changing Tides, mm. and I remember knowing nothing about this game, and I saw it randomly pop up on Game Pass, and I was like, "What is this? Like, is it you know, do I get to sail and blow things up?" But it it's a it's just like an adventure game you know like the side scrolling kind typical indie and i guess this is a sequel whereas the first game you were kind of flying around exploring like a very dry i don't say planet but location and this is kind of opposite where it's mostly water and it's interesting because you are trying to find you know a place to settle down and you're just like a little boy, you know, exploring the world. And it's it's really interesting, you know? Like, it, it's funny that this game kind of inspired me to think of this water subject. Because I was like, oh, there's not a whole lot of games out there where, like, a world has been flooded completely, you know? Mm-hmm. And this game kind of made me think about that. And honestly, it'd be kind of cool if we got more games like Waterworld, you know? Like the biggest blockbuster flop in the world yeah <laughs> dude i love that movie that movie's so damn good i i really enjoy it but the amount of money they spent on it versus how much they made is holy crap <laughs> oh yeah i mean think about it at the time dude like you're just in the middle of the water like that with all those like huge construction like that's crazy yeah and they built every single one of those sets it's amazing what they did with that god yeah. 
anyway, I think that's going to do it for us in, as we kind of explore the element of water today. So like I said, this is a part of our mini-series that we're starting where we are going to be looking at how games interpret the elements themselves and how they've grown or taken inspiration from them to give us some very fascinating, interesting games. So join us next week as we dive into a different topic because we're still continuing our journey around the world as well but be on the lookout uh, for the continuation of this little mini series we have here as we interpret the elements all right talk to you all next week bye later <laughs>